You're listening to the Evanston Bible Fellowship Podcast. EBF is a community of sojourners empowering one another to cultivate gospel transformation. To learn more about our church, visit ebfchurch.org. Today's scripture reading comes from Psalm 124. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side, would people attack us? They would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We've escaped like a bird from the fowler snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of the heaven and the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be You may be seated. Thanks, Kat. Thanks, praise team, everyone this morning. It's, uh, it warms my soul to see our kids learning and responding to the truth of the gospel. That's all, that just, I don't know, it just warms my soul. But uh, it's good to be with you here in this, this new year. Thank you for braving the cold and the snow to join us here this morning. Thank you for those that are joining us via the live stream as well uh, as we continue worshiping God through the proclamation of his word. I hope that you enjoyed a, a good time at Christmas and I know I was particularly blessed to be able to, to um, gather for Christmas at St. John's last week and also to, to celebrate the new year. I hope you were as well. And so um, it is fitting for us to turn to the Lord here in prayer as we open up his word together. Let's pray. Lord, we look to you, our creator, the maker of heaven and earth. You have been our help from ages past. We confess the ways that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. We confess the darkness within our own hearts. And Father, we cry out to you in the face of injustice, in the face of oppression that we see around us. We ask how long, O Lord, how long will such things continue? We long for that day as we just learned of when, Lord Jesus, you will return in glory. And so we will yet praise you, our Savior and our God. Lord, we pray that you would provide and pour out your comfort and hope upon those that have lost their homes in the recent fires in Colorado, Lord. That your presence would be known and felt in those communities. Father, that your gospel would go forward, that you would draw hearts to yourself and show us ways that we might be able to tangibly help. And Lord, would you illumine your word. Holy Spirit, show us your truth. Magnify Jesus. We pray in Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Now, some of you might be having flashbacks to uh, English literature class. I don't mean to cause your blood pressure to rise, but... This is the line that begins, as we, all, as we well know, it begins Charles Dickens' 1859 novel, A Tale of Two Cities. 
And in many ways, this is what we see before us in Psalm 124, although in reverse order. It begins, it was the worst of times, and moves into, it was the best of times. And I realize with us gathered here, those joining online as well, that some of us come here today perhaps overjoyed, having experienced some measure of, of, of joy and of, of growth here as of late, an awareness of the help and strength that is available through our God and King. Others of us join here having perhaps done all we could to just walk through the doors of this building. Perhaps having or experiencing some of those waves crashing upon the shoreline of our soul. Wondering how to navigate perhaps a particular situation that you are faced with right now or life circumstance. And perhaps you're experiencing both of these simultaneously. That can often happen when we experience the collision of life's joys and sorrows, even around the holiday times. Where should we turn for help? One question that we, I think, wrestle with often is, is God far off and unconcerned with what is happening in our daily lives? Psalm 124 tackles these questions, tackles even more questions too in a real and powerful way. And as I explained, it begins the worst of times in verses one through five, and then the best of times in verses six and seven. And then finally, the anchor, that core truth that emanates from verse eight. So if you haven't already, please turn to Psalm 124. And one, one quote I often chew on as I approach the Psalms is that of Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson that writes in a long obedience in the same direction. He describes the Psalms in this way. There is no literature in all the world that is more true to life and more honest than the Psalms. For we have warts and all religion. I love that phrase, warts and all religion. Every skeptical thought, every disappointing venture, every pain, every despair that we can face is lived through and integrated into a personal saving relationship with God, he continues to write, a relationship that also has in its acts of praise, blessing, peace, security, trust, and love. The Psalms that surround this particular Psalm, Psalm 120 through 134 have been come to be known as the Songs of Ascent, the Songs of Ascent. They were most likely sung by the people of Israel as they made their way, as they ascended to Jerusalem for three key feasts. The Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Together they're like an old dog-eared songbook, hymn book. Maybe your family has something like that that's been passed down from, from generation to generation. We might call them traveling tunes for pilgrims. Traveling tunes for pilgrims. But in a deeper way, they represent what it means for us to go on pilgrimage. God wants to rescue us from the dominion of darkness and draw us into his marvelous light. Many of the songs of ascent follow a threefold pattern, and Psalm 124 is no exception. It follows this pattern of trouble, trust, and triumph. Trouble, 
trust and triumph. We'll see that as we go along the way. This psalm, a Davidic psalm, originally described a situation when the enemies, when enemies rose up against the people of God. But then it came to be used in this, where we find it now, in, among these traveling tunes for pilgrims as they made their way to Jerusalem. It became a community-wide song of thanksgiving. Words like our, if the Lord had not been on our side, our help is in the name of the Lord. So first, the worst of times, then the best of times before arriving at the core truth. But along the way, we're going to see three vivid images that the psalmist uses to capture our imagination. All of them paint pictures of God's sovereign help. And so first, the worst of times. What would happen if the Lord did not help us? What would happen if the Lord did not help us? I apologize, kids, for not having slides ready to go for you, but I will try to emphasize the words that are in the, in the blanks for us. Look at verses one through five. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side, when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive. When their anger flared against us, the flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. The opening lines of this particular song of ascent are somewhat different than the other ones that we see. It begins with this uh, call, invitation, by saying, let Israel say, the psalmist invites the other worshipers to join in the singing. It would be like our worship leaders, typically Jeff today, Ben, Olivia, Chun, thank you so much guys. It'd be like them saying, uh, like starting the song and saying, everyone join with us, right? Let Israel say, and the psalmist goes on to describe a situation when people, attackers, rose up, and these enemies rose up against the people of God. I wish we knew more about the, the exact situation, but you can imagine. You can imagine what takes place here. And he describes what would have happened if the Lord had not been on their side. Another way of saying, if the Lord had not helped them. A similar refrain is found in Psalm 94, 17 that says, unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. To describe what would have happened, he uses two, the first two of the vivid metaphors, that of a monster or a creature of some sort, and then of a flood, raging waters. First, the psalmist compares Israel's enemies with a monster. They would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us. He comes back to this image in verse six, praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. Monsters or vicious beasts, these creatures are the, the sorts of things that haunt our dreams, that are extensions of our fears. And he uses this as the first of the vivid images and then the second, that of the flood. The psalmist compares Israel's enemies with a flood. The flood would have engulfed us. Pick up on all the words here related to these raging waters. 
the torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. You know, a bit of background is helpful here. Particularly in the Middle East, you find often these canals that are connected together across the landscape. And when a torrent takes place, when a storm happens, especially during the rainy season, these gullies fill with water, connect with one another, and cause flash flooding. That can be extremely Extremely hazardous, especially for people in the area. We're, we're not talking about the shallow end of the pool here. This is a sudden and inescapable flood. Think, for instance, it might be a little dated, but think about the flood that takes place in the movie 127 Hours. Or on a larger scale, think of a sudden and terrifying wave, like a tsunami wave, for instance. In scripture, water is often seen as a destructive force of chaos. But over and over again, God demonstrates his power over the waters. Think of some examples, especially in the Old Testament. The great flood, the parting of the Red Sea, the crossing of the Jordan River, the ceasing, the immediate ceasing of the raging storm in the book of Jonah. And yes, even into the New Testament, culminating in Jesus calming the storm. Mark 4, 39 through 41, says that he, Jesus, got up, rebuked the wind, said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this? The destructive nature of water doesn't stand a chance against the power of God. And so these vivid metaphors of a creature and a flood give us a sense of of hopelessness and a sense of despair that would consume someone who did not have the Lord on their side, someone who does not experience God's help. As we consider these verses for us today, one, one thing we should remember is that we need to be careful. How do we know God is on our side? You know, the reason the people of Israel could say that God was on their side first was because he had chosen them to be his people. Think of the call to Abraham in Genesis 12. And later, Christians too, in 1 Peter 2, 9, are are called a chosen people. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So on the one hand, people who are followers of Jesus Christ can say confidently that God is on our side. But this may not always be true concerning, how do I put it, concerning the positions that Christians hold. I'm afraid that too many Christians try to get God to rubber stamp their views. Holding a particular moral or philosophical or political view and then going to scripture to try to back it up. For example, what what do we do, for instance, with the fact that there were so many Christians in our nation's history who supported slavery and claimed that it was justified by scripture. They thought that God was on their side. Here's my point. Instead of 
trying to figure out if God is on our side, let's join his side. Let's join his side. As we read and meditate upon the word of God, his divinely inspired revelation, may we gain a greater sense of his own heartbeat. Would the things that breaks God's heart be the things that come to break ours as well? And may we look to him for the wisdom that we need in facing the challenges of life and navigating those challenges. We are indeed a chosen people. But as 1 Peter 2, 9 reminds us, there's a purpose that follows that. That we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Remember though that God has helped countless times without us even being aware. How many times have we been in the path of danger without even knowing it? How many times has God helped us and perhaps made the the path smooth before us? How many times have we been completely unaware that we are perhaps even entertaining angels? It is so easy to get wrapped up in the dangers that that we are aware of that we forget his steady, faithful hand guiding us along life's journey. May we be a community that praises God in the calm and in the storm. So after exploring the worst of times, what would happen if the Lord does not help us? The psalmist turns to the best of times. The best of times. What happens when the Lord helps us? Verses six and seven. Praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. This new section in the text begins as the psalmist erupts in exclamatory, exclamatory praise. Remember, trouble, then trust, then triumph. And he carries over this first metaphor, that of a creature, or a monster, reminding the people of Israel of God's help in the face of those who would seek to devour them, those who would seek to tear them apart. But then starting in verse seven, We are given the third of the vivid metaphors here, that of a broken trap, a broken trap. The psalmist compares God's active involvement in helping his people with a bird escaping from a broken trap. We have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. This this would have been an image that would have been very familiar to those who sang this psalm. And a fowler is someone who hunts birds, most often with with a net or an improvised trap in this setting. But notice the verse of, the end end of verse seven. It says, the snare has been broken. The snare has been broken. The implication here is that, is not that the bird has somehow chewed its way out. Instead, God has acted to help the bird escape. He is actively involved in the lives of his people and constantly provides their need, provides help and escape. So some things for us to consider in light of these verses. First, God indeed extends his help in the midst of difficulty. 
the Christian life, as we well know, the Christian life is not one that is free of difficulty. We are not promised a pain-free Christian life. No, we're still going to go through the monster's mouth. We're still going to experience those raging floodwaters. But the key difference is that God helps us in the midst of those trials. He does not abandon us. He preserves us. And this should even affect the way that we pray, the way that we pour out our hearts to God in prayer. Not that we would be kept from experiencing difficulty, but that God would preserve us through the storm. Not only does God help in the midst of difficulty, but let us remember the countless times that we are aware of God's help. I first drew attention to those times are reflecting upon the times that he has been our help and we have been unaware of it completely. But here I want us to think about the ways that we have experienced his help and we've been aware of that. Think of the times we have faced a known danger and God has rendered aid. Let us remember the countless times we are aware of, of God's gracious help and use them as pillars, as, as benchmarks for every new challenge that we face. God has proved faithful before, and he will prove faithful once more. He will prove faithful again. And so everything in Psalm 124 leads to this refrain of triumph at the very end, the core truth that our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's what this whole psalm comes down to. It might be cheating a little bit to use a verse as the the core truth, as the big idea, but indulge me because I really think there is no greater truth for us to encounter here than this. And let let us explore it in more depth and let it sink into our souls. A a similar refrain is found earlier in the Songs of Ascent. In Psalm 121, we might be more familiar with it. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. But here there's a subtle twist. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Let's break that down here a little bit first. Our help. The word help has to do with support, assistance, supplying what is needed. This help is personal, but it is also experienced by the community, our help. And throughout the Psalms, we see God extending his help in personal ways. That's a really fascinating word study throughout the Psalms. And he often extends his gracious help to the most vulnerable in society. The Lord helps the fatherless, Psalm 10. The Lord helps the troubled, the afflicted, Psalm 22. The Lord helps the oppressed, Psalm 54. The Lord helps the poor, Psalm 72. And yes, the Lord helps the distressed in Psalm 86. You know, earlier I mentioned joining God's side, getting to know his heartbeat, and to know the things that breaks his heart, the things that he stands for, These are some great clues here in the Psalms. Those that he helps. Our help is in the name of the Lord. This is slightly different than Psalm 121. And what is the difference? 
the name of the Lord, is a phrase that is tied to his personal presence. It is a reminder that God is with his people personally, especially in the midst of difficulty. He is not far off, he is not disconnected, he is not unconcerned with what is happening in our lives. He did not just spin the universe into existence and then walk away, no. He is imminent, that means he is near, and he is near the brokenhearted. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God is our creator. He is our sustainer. He is the sustainer of all things. And God's creation, his mighty act in creating us, demonstrates his power and his transcendence. But he is also actively involved in the world that he has made, which demonstrates his imminence, his nearness, God's help is grounded in the truth that he is our creator and that he is intimately involved with what happens in our lives. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And so as we reflect on living out this magnificent truth, three things to ponder here. Once more, remember the unknown and known situations when God has been our help. We should pray that God would give us eyes to see his fingerprints, that he would reveal to us his faithfulness along the way. And we should thank him when we see demonstrations of his, of his help in times of difficulty, but oh, how quick we are to forget. How quickly we forget. How quickly we move on in the busyness and the complexity of life. One way of doing this, perhaps, this reflecting on and remembering the unknown and known ways in which God has been our help would be simply by journaling, simply by noting these things, by assembling some of these signposts along the way, the ways that God has been, the ways that God has proven faithful before and as reminders that he will prove faithful still. Well, then periodically we can look back, remember, and as the psalmist does in verse six, praise God for his gracious help. How he erupts into exclamatory praise, we should as well. He praises God for his gracious help in the face of those who tried to trap him. And as we saw, God's gracious help is grounded in the truth that God is our creator and that he is intimately involved with his good creation. God created us. He loves us with a never stopping love. And as as you know the story, we rebelled against our creator. And because of this, because of sin and brokenness that has come into this world, we all have a deep need to experience the greatest help of all. Our brokenness, our sin has entrapped us as human beings. We are caught in the fowler's snare. And Psalm 124 points to the greater reality that God sent Jesus to break the trap and to set us free. God sent Jesus. He was bound so that we might be set free. The snare has been broken. It's nothing that we can do on our own. We can't wiggle our way out or chew through the net. 
Jesus suffered and died and rose so that you and I could be freed once and for all from the trap of sin. And through Christ alone, we can experience this. That is the greatest help of all. The snare has been broken. Church, our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And even in what may seem like the worst of times, God's gracious help and strength is truly the best of times. Not because we take pleasure in pain, not because we revel in misery or say, bring it on, no. But because our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, God supplies our needs. He graciously assists us. His name, his personal presence is with us to guide us. And the same God who has the power to speak the universe into existence continues to reign on high and continues to help his daughters and sons in our times of need. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Would you say that with me? Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let's say that once more. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let's pray. Our Father, as we begin this new year, we are reminded of your gracious hand at work in our lives. Thank you for what you have done, are doing, and will continue to do. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would indeed preserve your people through the challenges that we face in this life. We thank you for the help that you have given us, that help that you have demonstrated principally in sending your dear son, he who has been broken, he who has been bound so that we might be set free. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We praise your name. And we thank you for what you have done on the cross to set us free once and for all. May we sing of these glorious truths. May we shout them from the rooftops, looking forward to your glorious return. We pray this in the precious and matchless name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To hear more messages from EBF, subscribe to our podcast, and to find out how to get connected with our church, visit ebfchurch.org.